Hey, welcome to the Coach Bo Knows Podcast on the Studio Soapbox Network. I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. We're recorded live at the undisclosed location of the O'Connor Advisory Group Studios. Check out all things O'Connor Advisory Group at OAGKS.com. You can interact with the show on Twitter and Instagram at Coach Bo Knows Show. Check out the Facebook page. You can just search for Coach Bo Knows Show. You'll find us there, always releasing some stuff on there. We'll be doing a little more here in the next few weeks as well. And you can also email the show anytime, Show at gmail.com. This is episode 19. Uh, no interview this week. This is going to be an all Coach Bo's rants. We're going to go and talk a little football this week, kind of review Sunday's games. I'm recording this Sunday night. We just had the Green Bay game end. Uh, we kind of get an idea for the playoff picture, what's going on there. A lot of interesting stuff. It's been a crazy day. Uh, but what I first want to say is Happy New Year. I hope you are well. I hope you're staying warm. hope you got to the new year healthy and happy and everything is going well. Uh, it's been a crazy time, folks. We're out of 2021. We've started 2022. I hope you're working on the better you, your new year, new me. If you need some help on the financial side, hey, I got a guy for you. So feel free to give us a call at O'Connor Advisory Group. You can check us out, oagks.com. Hit the Contact Us button. So it'll come directly to me. I'll help you as we need anything I can. Um, what we'd love to do this time of year, a lot of folks are going through the new year, new me. Hey, you want to get your money right? Give us a call. Let me help you out. It's going to be a lot of fun this year. 2022 is the year we're going to help a lot of people, and we're going to all get better together. So... Let's have a great year. I want to talk about a couple things. I'm going to talk mostly football. I'm not going to get too deep into basketball, college basketball, or anything else. And we're not going to do a whole lot of COVID talk either. Uh, I want to talk football. I want to start with the biggest story of the weekend that's not result-oriented. And that's Antonio Brown. Um, if you haven't seen yet, Antonio Brown of the Bucks. Um, he walked off the field, threw his shoulder pads and his jersey off, and walked through the end zone back to the tunnel and left the game. Uh, it just really wasn't a good sight, really wasn't a positive experience. I, I'm not going to sit here and kill Antonio Brown, and, and here's why. I am by no means a psychologist, psychiatrist, I, I'm not a therapist by any means, but I have to believe that there's something clinically not right. And, and I don't want to say that someone's a bad person or they're lazy or they've got this, you know, they got this opportunity and nobody else gets this and he keeps getting chance after chance after chance because he's got talent. And I understand that frustration. I kind of sympathize and empathize with that frustration. But what I'm not going to do today is just kill the guy because I there's something going on inside of him. And I think that's something that's probably you know, related to either CTE or some other, you know, things maybe he has in his past. And I'm not going to sit here and judge somebody about that. So I just hope that if Antonio Brown does need help, I hope he gets it. And uh, whether he plays in the game of football or not, I don't think he'll be able to play again. I just don't see a team that would bring him back. When you look at some of the things that have happened in the last couple of years, I mean, the Steelers released him a couple years ago, took a huge salary cap hit. The Raiders left, got rid of him for 10 games. Uh, you know, the Bucks bring him in this year after they gave him a chance last year. Really wasn't a positive experience here. And then this thing happens after the fake COVID card and this. You know, I, I think that the league is probably done with Antonio Brown. 
But let's not, you know, face him down and, and, and make ill uh, statements about him and say this is a terrible person or this or that. This is probably someone who needs help. And let's hope that he finds that. So my thoughts are with him. I hope that the young I hope the gentleman gets his help or gets something where he can get his life together. And uh, my thoughts are with Antonio Brown. I hope he is well. Um, I hope for everybody else that he, you know, for the Bucks, they can move on and do the things they've got to do as a football team. So, but uh, I just, again, I'm not going to sit here and just, and just you know, eat his lunch over that. Um, next piece I want to talk about, this is now we're going to get to on the field and some of the things we've seen tonight. Uh, real quick review, we had a couple of big games Really on the slate, there was two, if you want to call it, big games that really had serious playoff implications. You know, we're down to week 17 now. Um, The two biggest ones were the Chiefs and the Bengals and the Cowboys and the Cardinals. Now, we have a big upset. A big upset here. The Bengals beat the Chiefs in Cincinnati. Uh, what was it, 34-31, Joe Burrow looked incredible, 30 of 39, 446, four touchdowns. I'm not going to get all into that just yet, but the we're starting to see the playoff picture here a little bit. What it did do is it kind of solidified the playoff picture in two ways. One, the Bengals lock up the AFC North. They don't have to worry about getting help or you know having to rely on just winning Week 17 to get it. They're going to end up being the three or four seed, likely. They're the three seed as of right now. And the Chiefs fall off the number one seed. Uh, The number one seed's a big deal this year because it is the only team that gets a bye is the number one seed. Seven teams in the playoffs. Two through seven will play in three games. The number one seed gets that bye. Because of a tiebreaker, the Titans beating the Chiefs earlier this year Right now, that Titans have that number one seed. The Chiefs end their season next week at the Broncos, while the Titans are playing Houston. I believe that game is in Houston. It is in Houston, playing the the Texans. Um, Again, most likely both teams win, still having a tie, and it looks like the the Titans will then be the number one seed. So uh, that's a big loss for the Chiefs. The other game that I thought was really important coming into the weekend was the Cowboys and the Cardinals in the NFC. This is another one of those games where we could see some stuff. I'm going to get into this a little bit as well, but the Cowboys lose to the Cardinals. He really didn't play well at all. Um, the Cowboys come out, uh, they lose the game 25-22 in a game where the Cowboys really weren't ever, didn't feel like it was ever close. Um, I just totally unimpressed the Cowboys' performance, uh, which if you listen to this pod, you know I've been very impressed with them throughout the season. Uh, but because of that, the Cardinals are in the playoffs now. They cannot fall out. Um, they've clinched a playoff berth. Um, the Cowboys have clinched their division, but have fallen past the Bucks for the four seed. So now the Cowboys would need some help if they're going to try to move off that four seed next week. 
The other big one, I guess there wasn't really a big game going in. I think a lot of us kind of wrote this off, but the Indianapolis Colts lost to the Raiders, which kind of then brings some scenarios into play in the AFC on the wild card side. Uh, Colts lose at home to the Raiders. The Raiders have now pushed their way to the eighth seed. Now, we do have one game left. We're recording this before Monday night's game uh, where the Steelers will meet the Browns. Um, the Browns have been eliminated from contention. The Steelers can get some help and get in. But now the scenario looks like what's going to play out is it looks that the Raiders-Chargers game next week becomes a playoff game. And the winner of that game will take the seventh seed. Uh, there's a couple scenarios where the Raiders could move to the seven or could move to all the way to the six. They're not likely scenarios, but uh, there's a couple of examples that are out there. Uh, let's talk about some of these games real quick. I'm going to touch on just two or three of them. I'm going to start with the Packers in the Sunday night game. Packers just won the game 37-10. Rodgers was outstanding again, 29-38, 288, two touchdowns. I think he's locked up the MVP. Um, you know, I thought it was a two-man race coming into this week. I think a third guy has played his way into that race, but I don't think he's going to be able to do enough to get there. I do think Aaron Rodgers has won the MVP again. It'll be his fourth MVP, which is really phenomenal. Only Manning has more. Um, and that's pretty great that, you know, Rodgers are going to have a fourth MVP, looks like. Um, I suspect that's going to happen. That also puts the scenario now where the Packers have the number one seed in the in the NFC, and they've clinched the division and they've clinched that number one seed. Even with a loss next week, they have all the tiebreakers to everybody else. So the Packers have clinched the number one seed. Uh, congratulations to them. The other game I want to talk about. I'm going to talk about the Cow Cowboys and Cardinals first. Cowboys-Cardinals, um, I watched a lot of this game. Again, the two games I was interested the most. I'm so glad I got to see both of them fully. Cardinals-Cowboys. I was really interested in this game because I wanted to see how the Cardinals were going to react. Um, I really thought that if the Cowboys played their game, if they ran the football, if they played good defense, I thought they would beat the Cardinals. I did. Um, I probably gave, them, gave the Cowboys too much credit. Um, the Cowboys come off the big win last week. The Cardinals have not played great the last couple of weeks. But Kyler Murray looked really good this week. And they really came out, I don't not on fire, but they really played solid early. Murray doesn't make a lot of mistakes. His feet help get him out of a lot of trouble. And I, I was really impressed with the Cardinals down the stretch in this game. The Cowboys blew it in a way for me. Hear me out. The Cowboys have an incredible offensive line. They've got a great defense. I think Micah Parsons is not only the defensive rookie of the year, I think he should be defensive player of the year. And their defense keeps them in games. The Cowboys' offense, with that big offensive line, a skilled offensive line, there is an issue. It isn't the offensive line. It's the play calling. 39 passes in this game, 17 rushes. Now, again, I'm of the belief that the Dallas Cowboys, if they run the ball nearly as much as they throw the ball, 
that they will be, they can beat any team. I'm not saying they will. They can beat any team in the league. If they establish the run, if they run the ball. But they should not ever have Dak Prescott drop back 40 times, 39, that's what it was this week, and only run the ball 17 times. Even early in the second half, in a 13-7 game, even when it was 16-7, you can still run the football, but the Cowboys said, oh, fuck that shit. We're going to throw these off and these run plays out. And what they do when they're in the passing game is their best running weapon is on the sideline. Ezekiel Elliott's on the sideline, and that hurts the offense because as soon as defenses see that Zeke's out the game, they're going to play the pass. And Dak Prescott, as good as he is, and I think he's a really good quarterback. I don't think he's a, I don't think he's elite. I think he's at the second level below. But I, I think if you run the football, you get the best of Dak as well. I think some of the read option stuff, he's done it since college. He did it in Mississippi State. His early years, the Cowboys, he did it fantastically. I think that that is what they can do best. But I think Mike McCarthy, and I think now, I think Kellen, uh, Kellen Moore has to get some of this on him too. The play call has not been good. It was not good today. I think last week was a, a situation where they played a team that was not going to play any defense no matter what and just against a team that was just way under uh, underprepared in, in Washington, and they got out early. But even when they got out early, they didn't want to run the football. I think this is totally on the Cowboys. The Cowboys have a chance to be special. They have a chance. I think the Dallas Cowboys can go to the Super Bowl if they commit to running the football. If not, they'll lose in their first playoff game. If they come out and throw the ball 40 times and rush less than 20, they're going to lose in the playoffs. They're going to lose in the first game of the playoffs. And people are going to say, oh, no, here we go, same Dallas Cowboys. Right now, the Cowboys are the four seed. And the way that would work, the Cowboys would get the Cardinals again in the, play, in the playoff. They get a home game against the Cardinals. They just lost the Cardinals. Look out, boys and girls. It's going to be fun. The other game. Okay, I'm going to admit my biases up front. If you listen to the Jones Report, you know uh, who I, how I feel about this. If you listen to this podcast, you already know my favorite football player is Joe Burrow because of his LSU ties. Joe Burrow has played like a Hall of Famer in the last two weeks. You know, there was the line that Wink Martindale from the, the defensive coordinator. I love that his name is Wink Martindale. It's an incredible nickname. Uh, if you're old enough to laugh at that, laugh at that. Um you know, made the comment, you know, don't fit him for a gold jacket just yet. Well, 975 yards in two weeks and eight touchdowns. You might as well start thinking about it. Because Joe Burrow has played the Bengals not only into the playoffs, not only to the division, but now he's played them all the way to the three seed. This is a team that went 4-11-1 last year. Burrow gets hurt and misses half the season. He's able to get back from tearing up his, his knee, play this entire season. 
He's had a fantastic season, 4,500 uh, uh, passing yards, 34 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, or 14 interceptions. Um, Joe Burrow has played his way into the MVP conversation. Now, I don't think he's going to win it, and I've already said I would vote for Aaron Rodgers. But I think if I, my ballot was being handed to me right now with one game to go and I had to pick five, I think Burrow is either two or three. I think that Burrow, Jonathan Taylor, I think that then you look at maybe Brady and then uh, Josh Allen are kind of in that argument. But I think Burrow has left a couple of those guys in the dust. And I think it's really, he's played his way into something that I don't think even six, eight weeks ago people would have thought of. But he's been phenomenal. And he's playing at a level that I don't know that anybody other than Rodgers, and I'm not even sure Rodgers in the last month has played as well as Burrow has. I'm not sure any player in the NFL has played as well as Joe Burrow has since Thanksgiving. So um, the Chiefs ran into something this week. I mean, that was amazing performance by Joe Burrow. That offense, Jamar Chase was incredible. I mean, some of the balls they threw that he was able to catch – I didn't think the Chiefs' defense played bad. I think that the Chiefs made the same mistake the Ravens made a week before. They're trying to single-man coverage on the outside guys, and I don't think you can play a man coverage on Jamar Chase. I don't care who you are. I don't care if Deion Sanders is back there. I don't think you can play man coverage on Jamar Chase right now. Not, the, not as well as Burroughs throwing the ball. And those guys have got it together. I mean, obviously they played together in college. They're great together, and and you can see the, the that that unit. It looks really great. Um, the Chiefs look like going into the half that this game might become a blowout, but Burrow wheels the Bengals into the back into this game. Chiefs are up twenty eight to seven, and somehow, some way, Burrow brings them back, and. The Chiefs' offense stuttered again in the second half. This has happened a couple of times in the last month or two. Probably the last six weeks, we've seen two or three games where the Chiefs get a little bit of a lead. And maybe it's not a huge lead, but the defense plays well enough that it doesn't look like it. It covers up that the Chiefs' offense isn't playing quite as well as it could, especially in the second half. Teams are catching on to what the Chiefs are doing. They're making better in-game adjustments against the Chiefs' offense. If you look, so many of the Chiefs' games where they have scored low numbers of points, a lot of their touchdowns, when they've had one or two touchdowns, have come on the first possession of the game. I think they actually, I remember going into this week, they led the league in uh, first possession touchdowns. I'm not sure if they still do or not. I haven't checked. But it just shows me they're not making a lot of adjustments. And again, we can go to last week and say, well, wait a minute. The Chiefs just blew somebody out just last week. I mean, they blew the Steelers out. That Steelers team's not a very good team. And then if you look, they were kind of gifted that game against the Chargers two weeks ago. They blew the Raiders out. The Broncos game, they played fairly well. The Cowboys game, again, that was the Cowboys. They were the team that didn't want to run the ball. They just wanted to throw it. I'm not sure that the Kansas City Chiefs actually have an offensive identity. I think they want to run the ball, and I think they want Patrick Mahomes to not make 
mistakes. I think a lot of people are worried about him getting hit, about um, you know getting out of the pocket, something happens against a good, good defense. But I think a lot of the problems we saw with the Chiefs, it started with the Super Bowl last year, not scoring a touchdown in that game. They've had too many games this season where they've scored one touchdown or no touchdowns in the second half, but they've skated because their defense has played well. Chiefs defense has played spectacular. The Chiefs pass rush has gotten after them. They sacked Burrow a couple times. That was incredible. But then they give up a third and 27. I mean, that third and 20, that's just ridiculous. But the Chiefs' offense did not help the defense at all in the second half. Three possessions, three points, not a lot of creativity. And, and creativity doesn't mean you have to be cute. But it does mean you have to be precise. It means you've got to put some things together. And I think a little bit of the Chiefs' offense is too much of sling a bunch of shit at the wall and see what sticks. I think that's been what they're trying to get away from and why they're telling Mahomes to not improvise, but he's not comfortable with that. Um, I think that's a big deal right now. And I, I for Chiefs fans' sake, I hope he's I hope that they do improve here in the playoffs. For my sake, I'm rooting for Joe Burrow. I think we're going to see that game again the second week of the playoffs. I think we're going to see second week Chiefs Bengals at Arrowhead this time. I do suspect if it plays again that the Chiefs will go back and look at the film and say, here's where we made some mistakes, clean some of those things up, and win. But I think the the AFC playoffs are going to be a beast once we get into the second week of that. The Titans may get Derrick Henry back. Uh, They're going to have the bye week. There is some talk that Derrick Henry may be back. And again, that offense adds Derrick Henry. That's going to be tough to beat, and you've got to go there and beat him. Mahomes has not won a playoff game on the road yet. The Chiefs are going to be a hard out. I mean, they got Mahomes. He's, he's physically probably the best quarterback in the league. You've got the Bengals with the monster three heads of receivers and Joe Burrow, who's just outplaying everybody. And you got Buffalo, who Josh Allen is no joke, and some of the things they're doing. I don't see a lot of first-round upsets in the AFC. But I think those first four, after you get to the that top four, I think it's anybody's game. And I'm not sure who I'm picking yet until I know if Derrick Henry's healthy. So we'll know more about that in a couple of weeks. But um, I think that's going to be interesting. That top four to me is interesting. I think after that, um, the Patriots really had, they had a big win today. They scored 50 against a really bad team. Kind of a get-right game. But the Patriots and Bills, will they'll meet again week one in the playoffs. So if there's going to be an upset, I could see that one. We'll see. Um, over in the NFC, I think it's going to be interesting. Um, we've got the Packers who clinched the number one seed. Then we have the Rams, the Bucks at 12-4. and four. Um, I suspect both teams win next week. Uh, the Rams are playing the 49ers. They have the harder game. Uh, the Bucks. I'm trying to get it here. I'm looking. The Bucks play the Panthers, who are a dead man walking right now. So I do suspect the Bucks will win. Um, I got the ESPN playoff machine here. If the 49ers win and the Bucks win, so if the 49ers were to beat the Rams, um, Arizona and Arizona were to win against Seattle, 
Arizona could actually take back the West. The Rams would fall to the five seed, and Tampa could move all the way up to two. So the Rams will come out, and they'll play hard. Uh, the Rams, if they can beat the 49ers, they'll go up to the two seed. Uh, Tampa stays at three. Dallas is pretty much locked in at four. Uh, there's not a lot of scenarios where they could come off that number. And then you have the wild cards in the NFC. This is kind of a joke. So you're going to have, right now it's the Cardinals, as of right now, Cardinals, 49ers, and the Eagles. Let me one thing I'm going to say about the Eagles real quick, because they're in. They've clinched a playoff spot. I thought going into this season that the Eagles would not win more than four or five games. I thought they were a team that was, you look at the salary cap and some of the issues they had, I thought they were going to be, uh, as we called it in the Jones Report, we called it punting. We thought they were going to be punting the season away. They were going to figure out whether Jalen Hurts was their quarterback, and that was really going to be their kind of the goal for the season. Um, but they have really put it on. They're 9-7. and seven. They have one game left. Win or lose, they are in. Uh, the Eagles play the Cowboys uh, on, on uh, next week. And, again, win or lose, the Eagles are in. They cannot fall out of the playoffs. Um, so congrats to the Eagles. Now, that's where it gets interesting after that. We've got the Cardinals-Rams, that last game scenario. If the Rams win against the 49ers, they're the division champs. Cardinals get the playoffs. The Cardinals will be the five seed in that situation. Then you have the 49ers playing the Rams. Again, if the Rams win, that could hurt the 49ers. And here's what I mean. If the Rams beat the 49ers, then the 49ers, there's a couple scenarios here, the 49ers are then watching the Cardinals game, they're watching the Eagles game, and they're watching the Saints-Falcons. Now, what it comes down to is the Saints and the 49ers have a chance at the last playoff spot. If the Saints beat the Falcons and the Rams beat the 49ers, the Saints get in. The Saints get in no matter what then happens in the Arizona game. The Eagles will be the sixth seed in New Orleans. Sitting at nine and eight right now would somehow get in. Now they would be nine and eight. They're still currently eight and eight. They would get in as the seventh seed. Now, if the Falcons beat the Saints, the 49ers are in, win or lose. They can be the seventh seed with a loss to the Rams, or they can be a sixth seed with a win versus the Rams. And, um, again, a Saints loss. The Eagles would fall to seven in that scenario. I was checking an extra scenario there to see if they can move up uh, with the Cardinals moving up, but they couldn't. So next week we've got a couple of games that will be worth watching. Rams 49ers, so that will be probably one of the second half of the games. They haven't announced times yet. Um, I imagine Saints-Falcons will be a 12 o'clock game here locally in the Midwest. Um Eagles-Cowboys really only matters for the sake of the Cowboys in seeding. I guess the Eagles in seeding as well. And then Chargers-Raiders, I'll bet that goes to Sunday night because it's a playoff game. Winner is in, loser is out. So um, that'll be those games to watch next week. So 
an interesting situation, to say the least. All right, so we got a real good feel now for what where we're at right now as far as the NFL and everything going on there. So um, just a, a really kind of an incredible uh, week and then some really great games. So we're going to go into Week 18 next week, the first ever NFL Week 18, the seventh, first year of 17-game schedule. Should be some interesting stuff. So um, we got that going right now. The next thing I want to talk about is I, I want to get into some of the College Bowl stuff. Um, we have been, so Coach Bono's podcast, myself, Token Girl, Ellen Wingenter from the Point Five. we made a challenge to the guys from the Jones Report. We said, hey, let's do a pick em with the spread, all the college football games, all the college bowl games. And to give you an update, well, Ellen and I are getting obliterated. Um, this is as of Sunday. We only have now two games left. We'll have the uh, LSU K State game on Tuesday and the national championship game. As of right now, um, E is bringing up the rear here. She's only got 13 wins. Again, we did pick with the spread. We did not pick straight up, we did with the spread. We went off of Caesar's spread on the, um, the day we put it all together. We have had, what, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine cancellations, which made it a little more difficult as well. Um, but E has uh, 13 wins. She did win her three-point game. She lost her five-point game. So right now she said it's 16 points. Um, I am next at 17 wins. Um, I do not have, so I lost my three-point pick, but I still have my five-point game. I picked LSU. Um, over K-State, so I had to pick my Tigers. So uh, I got them. We'll see if I can pick up, we'll make a little ground up that way. Uh, Tyler Jones from the Jones Report, he's at 20. He got 20 games so far uh, with getting both his three and five-point picks, Oklahoma and Minnesota. Uh, so he's sitting on 28 points. Tom Bridges is beating everybody, and I suspect Tom Bridges is going to win this thing. Uh, he's sitting at 21 plus both of his three and five-point picks, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Where it gets somewhat interesting is uh, Tom and I both picked LSU. Uh, Ellen and Tyler both have K-State. Uh, we went off the original spread, which was K-State minus one. That's now moved all the way to K-State minus four and a half. Uh, a lot of people, all the money seems to be going on K-State. Um I'm not surprised by that as, a, as an LSU guy. LSU's going to have an interim staff, lots of opt-outs. They don't really have a quarterback. It's going to be interesting. I do think the better players are on the LSU sideline. K-State's also got a better, going to be more a senior-laden kind of class. So um, a lot of experience on the K-State sideline. Um, I, I am picking LSU still because I will never in the history of this podcast not pick LSU, just how it is. But uh, I, I think it's going to be a tough one. I would much rather have had four and a half points than one. Um, but they're also my five-point pick. Then comes the national championship. I gave everybody a two-point pick on the national title. Everybody picked Bama except for me. I picked Georgia, and I'm sticking with it. Um, if you didn't watch New Year's Eve a couple nights ago, we had Georgia, Michigan, Alabama, Cincinnati. Now, if you listened again last week, I said this with Ellen, and then I said it on the Jones Report as well. 
I said I thought that the Bama-Cincinnati game would be a closer game than the Georgia-Minnesota, uh, Georgia-Michigan game. I really had a lot of, um, I really thought that Cincinnati was going to play much better. Cincinnati did not play well in that game. Uh, they really looked, honestly, quite bad. Uh, Cincinnati just could not offensively get the ball rolling. Uh, they end up losing that game. I'm trying to get the final score up here. Um, but Cincinnati just did not look good at all. Cincinnati loses to Alabama 27-6, a 21-point spread. Uh, Alabama went in a 13-and-a-half-point favorite. They stayed pretty consistent in that. I really thought Cincinnati would cover. I did. I picked them to cover in that game. Um, but I did pick Bama to win the game. Um, I just thought Cincinnati would play a little better. What I'm afraid of, though, is I'm afraid that now, because Cincinnati played so poorly offensively, and their offensive coordinator has just left, by the way. Cincinnati's offensive coordinator took the job, the offensive coordinator job at LSU or here on Sunday. Um, I do think this is going to hurt the Power Five, the non-Power Five conferences. The Cincinnati's of the world, um, they are going to the Big 12. But these conference winners, they were the first non Power five conference team to get into the playoff, and they absolutely laid an egg. Their defense did everything they could to keep staying stay in that game. Their defense played admirably, but Bama was just too much. Um, Robinson had a great game. Brian Robinson Jr., 204 rushing yards. I mean, he was just a monster the entire game. And what we saw was Alabama looking like Alabama has looked under Nick Saban. Um, they just... I mean, just totally outplay Cincinnati in every facet of the game and win the win the Cotton Bowl 27-6, beat Cincinnati to go to the national championship game. The other game, this one was more interesting to me going in. Number three, Georgia versus number two, Michigan. I thought Georgia would win this game. They were seven-and-a-half-point favorites. I thought they would crush Michigan. And guess what? Well, I was right. They crushed Michigan. Michigan showed me that that entire conference was an absolute fraud. It was a fraud all season. We talked about it over and over, how they didn't play anybody. Michigan only had a one quality win. That was the win against Michigan State, or two, Michigan State and Ohio State. And neither of them really had a quality win. Michigan State did pick up a win against Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh did not have their starting quarterback who opted out of that game because he's going to be in the he's going to be in the draft. Um, it was really not a great performance. I I thought this would be a a moderate scoring game. I thought we'd see Georgia get into the twenties, um, but it was going to be Georgia's defense decided they weren't going to let Michigan score, and until the very very end of the game, Michigan did not score. They didn't score a touchdown. They had a field goal in the first half, but. Uh, it looked like one of Georgia's mandates were do not let Michigan in the end zone. Um, now we have Georgia-Alabama. Uh, that'll be played coming up on the 10th, so it'll be a week from now, a week from Monday. I'll talk a little more about it next week as well. We'll do a little bit of a preview there. I think we're going to get Tyler to come on and do that with me. Um, but I can tell you now, I'm going to pick Georgia in this game. Now, this is unless there is some major issue, a COVID outbreak, 
an injury, something major. Um, I'll tell you why. Alabama has not been consistent all season. Georgia has. Georgia has laid one egg this season. The one game that Georgia did not play Georgia football is the game against Alabama. They played the worst game of the season. Alabama played their best game of the season that game, that day. I don't suspect we will see that again. I think we'll see both come back to the middle. We'll probably see them play as both teams play as well as they possibly can play. I expect a very defensive game. I expect that if there's going to be a couple of big plays, they'll be on the Alabama side. But I think Georgia's run game and that defense, I mean, that defense is stacked. It's solid. It's as good as I've seen in the last 10, 10 years in college football. I think that defense keeps them in the game, and I'm going to pick Georgia. I'm going to stay with it. They were my preseason national champs. I see no reason to change my mind here. I think Alabama can win. I think that Alabama is likely to win. But I'm taking Georgia, and I think Georgia's going to pull it off. I think the Dogs are going to win the national title. So, um, But those games were both great games. Uh, both, they're both blowout games. Me, I thought it was great games because, well, I'm an SEC guy, and I was rooting for both of them. Hey, one other thing, <clears throat> one last thing I want to talk about was the bowl season and how exciting was January 1. This was old school. You know, we had January 1 fell on a Saturday. So we had all the traditional January 1 bowls played on January 1. So we had these games. We had uh, the Outback Bowl, Arkansas-Penn State, a really good matchup. These were all good matchups coming in. Uh, we had Kentucky-Iowa, which was already a good matchup. Ole Miss and Baylor, Ohio State, Utah, and Oklahoma State, Notre Dame. So I'm going to hit each of them here. Um, I, I, these all went about how I thought they'd go. Uh, I'm going to start the Outback Bowl. Arkansas really had an opportunity to show that this season, under their new coach and everything they're doing, that they're taking steps forward. And I have been very impressed with them all season. And I thought it was a big win beating Penn State 24-10. I'm thrilled to see what Arkansas is doing. Again, I'm an SEC homer. I admit it up front, but I like it because I will tell you, I've been to games in Arkansas. I've been to four or five LSU-Arkansas games, and you will not meet a more kind host than the fans at Arkansas. They have been so kind. I'm geared out. You know, got the wife, got the family, we, you know, sometimes it's just her and her and me and the kiddo. Sometimes it's me and the kiddo, but we're all geared up. And then, bam, you think we're going to hear some people, you know, oh, screw you or this or that. We've never heard that in Arkansas. They couldn't be more polite. They couldn't be more kind. So I rooted for Arkansas. I really thought they would win that game, too. I really like what they're doing in that whole program. I, I just have been very impressed. And... Um, I think Sam Pittman's done a hell of a job there. So uh, hats off to Arkansas. The next game in those January 1, the game, none of them disappointed. I mean, that was an exciting game. And we had Kentucky-Iowa. So again, I, and I, I picked Arkansas, I picked Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky, I thought, man, you know, they just if they get into the 20s. If they get into the 20s offensively, they're fine. Their defense plays really well. And I've thought Iowa was a fraud all season long. I, again, one of those Big Ten teams... 
didn't really beat anybody. They, they all kind of beat the lower side of the conference, and no one beat each other. But when Iowa had to play a ranked team, they just shriveled up like they were out in the cold, and bam, they got beat. Uh, Kentucky, late game comeback, wins the game 20 to 17. Uh, I really liked this game. I really liked both. Te- uh, really liked Kentucky. Um, you know, I thought this. I thought Iowa played better than I thought they would, but I still don't think they're great. So again, I was I was happy for Kentucky. Uh, Ohio State, Utah. This was the game where I was most wrong. <laughs> uh, I did not miss any of the picks. I picked all the teams correctly uh, as far as the winners. I do it five and zero, oh. but. Um, Ohio State and Utah, this game intrigued me a lot. I watched Utah twice this year, both games against Oregon. And they just put a drumming on Oregon twice. Um, The first time they played Oregon, I was watching that game from a hotel in Chicago, and they absolutely, it wasn't even close. Oregon could do nothing. The second meeting in the championship game, the conference championship game, was the same way. And unbelievable performance. This game looked like, in the first half, Utah was going to run away with it. And, I mean, it was, it was 35-21 at the half. And I thought, man, Utah is just, I mean, they're, they're not going to stop scoring. And Utah pulled the Chiefs. They stopped scoring in the second half. And Ohio State came all the way back, win the game 48-45. Now, I thought that would be a little wider spread. But once I saw how good Utah played in the first half, I was like, Ohio State's going to be lucky to come back and win this game. They did do it. Ohio State, that was really a heck of a game going back and forth. High scoring. Utah's quarterback got hurt in that game. That was a big part of it. And Ohio State was able to come back. Based, I mean, a lot of that was based on that. Then all of a sudden, late in the game, you got a freshman quarterback back there. It just really wasn't great. Um, but so, I, 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 you know, a tip of the hat to Utah. I thought they played well. I mean, you could see it. they were going to win that game if that quarterback stays healthy. Uh, but he gets hurt, gets out of the game. Ohio State took advantage and scored 17 in the fourth quarter to win it. Baylor and Old Miss. So this is a game, I, you know, Tyler Jones and I were talking about this in the Jones Report, and we totally disagreed on I liked Baylor. A lot of people think that's weird because I didn't pick the SEC team here. But I don't think Lane Kiffin wins big games. That I'm going to say it. I think Lane Kiffin's an offensive genius at points. I think that Lane Kiffin can can scheme up a big play. I think he can scheme you into a couple of really good spots. But I don't think they will be consistently good at Mississippi under Lane Kiffin. I think they're going to have to do some things differently. And it can't just be scheming up this play, that play, this play, that play. It doesn't consistently work. Will it win you a couple of games? Yes, and it can win you a couple of big games. But that wasn't going to happen against Baylor. Baylor's defense, I think, is the second best defense I've seen all season behind Georgia. Um, Baylor's defense looked great in this game. Dave Aranda, the Baylor coach, is... I have never seen anybody who is as calm as he is through everything. He never goes up. He never comes down. It's the same expression on his face. I like Dave Aranda. Obviously, he was an LSU guy. He was a defensive coordinator on our national championship team. But I I think he's the perfect person at Baylor. 
I think Baylor is going to be successful as long as he is there. I don't know how long he'll be there, but I think a lot of big-time programs are going to look at him and say, that's a calming force. And I'll tell you the secret to me, I think Dave Aranda is one of the very few college coaches I think would make a fantastic NFL head coach. I could see him being an NFL head coach and being very successful at it. Again, just his demeanor, the way he play, way, the way he goes about it, the way he does things. Even when they're dumping the bucket of Gatorade on him, he doesn't smile. He's not all, yeah, all right. It's about the players. And, it, and that's what he's going to keep talking about in the program. If you haven't seen that, if you haven't watched the root for Baylor, because I, I mean, I love me some Dave Aranda, and I just, I'm so happy they won. Uh, and they won that game 21 7. The last game was the first game of the day, and this one had me worried. Oklahoma State, Notre Dame. Now, I didn't get to watch the first half. I got to watch parts of it, but I didn't get to watch all of it. And I kept seeing the scores, and it was Notre Dame up 14, 14-0, 14-7, 21-7, 28-7, 28-14, 28-14 at the half. Notre Dame forgot how to play in the second half. Oklahoma State comes back and wins 37-35. Now listen, Oklahoma State, I thought, had a really great season. And this was the finished 12-2, fantastic. I, I couldn't be happier for them, uh, for those, those, those young men on that team and that team in and of itself. They had one job and one job only, and that was to beat Notre Dame. We can't have Notre Dame having nice things. We cannot have Notre Dame winning bowl games, winning you know, these uh, New Year's Six games. We need Notre Dame, if they're not going to join a conference, to keep getting their ass kicked when they play non-con games. And until they join a conference, I'm going to keep rooting against them. I'm going to keep rooting against them until they join a conference. I don't care about their bullshit stuff with NBC. I don't care about any of it. I'm simply telling you that... They don't deserve these games. They go in here. Now, they, they played well. They played well for half a game. And I'm so glad they lost. So Oklahoma State understood the assignment, got their shit together at halftime, came out, dominated the second half, won the game, hold Notre Dame down. They're like little brother. We have to – I love my little brother. Not my little brother. I love my little brother. He's a Notre Dame fan. And that probably does stick in some of my reason I hate Notre Dame. But – I don't like Notre Dame won't join the conference. That is my number one thing about them. If they would join a conference, my hatred for them would probably go down considerably. They're also a, um, a Catholic school. They're big on the religion. If you know me, I'm not a big religion guy. So there you go. The New Year's Six Bowls, uh, we only had five of them, but uh, they were great games. And across the board, I just was, I was very pleased with the college football we had this past weekend. It made it... It's so nice with all this cold and snowy weather we've had here in Lawrence, Kansas, to just stay home and watch football all weekend. I haven't left my house since I got home Saturday morning until Sunday night to record this podcast at the studio. So, yeah, for a day and a half, almost two full days, I get to stay at home. And I want to thank all those college football and NFL teams for giving me some entertainment for those two days. Okay, last thing. I promised to let you guys go on a good note today. So, 
Hey, uh, last thing I want to do is I just want to say Happy New Year to everybody. I hope that everyone got through 2021 as unscathed as possible. It's been a crazy couple of years, 2020, 2021, obviously COVID, everything we've got to go through, and a lot of the changes we've had to go through in our society I mean, as much as anything else. But I, I wanted to say Happy New Year. I wanted to come out. I, I, not a big guy for doing resolutions. I don't really do a whole lot of the, my New Year's resolution is this or that. I don't believe in those mainly because something you do daily has to either become a habit or you fail in your New Year's resolution. I don't like failing. Uh, what I do like, though, is an idea. And I'm going to challenge a lot of folks. I did this at one point last year, and I was able to keep it up for quite a while. It's sort of a mindset piece. And what I want to challenge people to do this year is do something kind for somebody every day. It can be the most basic thing. It can be holding the door open at the gas station on a cold, windy day. It can be, you know, um, making an extra phone call to the or a text, sending a text message to the person you haven't talked to in six months or a year. It can be anything. But find one random act of kindness and do it every day. Don't go to bed till you do. Again, it can be something as simple as a text message that you can send at the end of the night to someone and say, hey, I'm thinking about you and I love you. As we know, I'm not afraid to express my opinions when it comes to those sort of things. So my challenge here, 2022, I am not making a New Year's resolution. There are some things I'm going to do a little different. I, I am going to try to lose some weight, and you know, like most folks, but I'm not putting a number goal on it, and I'm not you know, making myself have to go do this every single day because I know that eventually those fall off. You know, we're going, everybody goes to the gym January 1. By February 1, half the gym is gone. But my challenge to you guys, guys and gals, everyone listening, do one kind thing for somebody every day. Take one minute and do it. I think the, the one thing I've done thus far, and this is a, a funny one. I mentioned sending text messages or phone calls. Go into your phone. Go into your address book. And send yourself or send someone a text saying, hey, I know it's been a while. Just want to say Happy New Year. Just want to say hello. Just want to say I was thinking of you. You'd be surprised. Maybe you end up reconnecting with an old friend and maybe they need somebody or something in their life. Maybe you find some happiness out of that. I, that's my challenge to you this year. We're going to be back uh, the podcast next couple of weeks, we'll get back to some interviews. We're going to do a couple of those a week. Uh, I did promise that we're going to do interviews after football season. I want to get through NFL playoffs. I want to go through all that first. And then we will get back into doing some interviews and we'll get back to some inspirational stuff. I've got a few uh, ideas and some things I do have lined up already for those times. So we'll get back into that. But I really wanted to pass that message along today as sort of a beginning of the year inspiration is you don't have to be inspiring to anybody else. You don't have to be inspiring to yourself. But give it an effort. Give an effort to somebody just because you want to. Do something kind because you can. It doesn't have to be money. It doesn't have to be something large. It doesn't have to be life-changing to you. But it just might be for them. It might just be the one thing that puts a 
smile on someone's face or changes someone's demeanor in a day, which can change their whole day or their whole week. So take that moment and let's do that. Let's get through all the bullshit we've had to get through these last couple of years because we've had to deal with a lot of it. You know, we've had to deal with it with COVID. We've dealt with it with politics. You know, a big part of it, I think, in my personal life has been a lot of the political stuff. And I'm going to talk on the point five. Ellen and I are going to talk about something and be a little more serious than normal. But, um, you know, don't be so quick to judge people. And let's, you know, I, I talked about Antonio Brown in the opening. You know, let's not just be judgmental and say, oh, this guy's an asshole. You know, let's think about, well, what's, what's he going through? Is something there? So keep those things in mind. Do something kind. Have a great day. If you hear this, have a great day, week. Do something kind. I, I heard this, we had this quote a few weeks ago, and I'm going to use this quite a bit this year. Remember that your time tokens are non-refundable. I love that quote. I think that was Nikki Levine. So uh, your time tokens are non-refundable. So thank you to everybody for joining us this week. Uh, thank you for Tyler Jones, Studio Soapbox, everything you guys do behind the scenes. Uh, thank you to you, the listener. If you get a moment, it's the new year. If you could rate us, review us, give us five stars, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, Spotify, however you get your podcasts. Also, feel free to share this. If you think it's someone that would enjoy the pod, share it with them. Let them know. And then if you want, hey, let me know if you share it. I want to shout somebody out on here. Uh, you got a friend you want to say something to, I'll let you, I'm going to shout them out as well. Uh, we appreciate every five-star review. We appreciate all the feedback. Hope you guys enjoyed the Ask Coach Bo Anything on the point five last week. If you haven't listened to it, uh, episode, episode uh, 18.5, uh, we did an Ask Coach Bo Anything. We're going to do a little more of that coming up in the next couple of weeks as well. We're going to do a couple of questions a week. So we're always taking your questions in those cases. So thank you. Until next time, it'll be a midweek. We'll get the uh, point five out on uh, Friday. Uh, we'll be Token Grow and I for doing that. So until next time, I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. Have a great week. Happy New Year. And uh, don't forget, your time tokens are not important.